Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder. Joining me as usual is the Political State crew from the Capitol, Dale Denwalt from the Federal Desk, Justin Wingeter. And this week our guest is Representative Emily Virgin from Norman. Representative, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think it's like your third or fourth time on the episode. You may yes. be one of our more frequent yes. guests since we started doing this a couple years ago. I just love it. So welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to the studio. Well, we've been talking a lot lately about the elections. The primary elections are coming up. Uh, June 26th, so a little less than 20 days away. Uh, mainly our focus has been on the gubernatorial race and primarily on the Republican side where it seems to be most, most of the drama, but today we wanted to talk about some of the other races that haven't necessarily been getting attention both at the state and the federal level, or federal and state level. Um, I asked everyone here today to come with one or two races that they're kind of most interested in um, for a variety of reasons and we can kind of talk through that. And uh, Representative, let's start with you. As you look at the June 26th primary election, what are some races that you feel like are kind of the most interesting to you that you're going to be watching closely on election night? Yeah, uh, well, there are a ton of races out there, and for you know people watching politics, it's going to be a really interesting night. But um, I wanted to talk about a couple races, um, notably because all of them have, both of them have primaries, and mm -hmm. all of the candidates are females, um, and we're seeing a lot more women run this year. Yeah. Um, and so in Norman, um, the Senate race to replace uh, Senator John Sparks who termed out after 12 years. Um, Representative Claudia Griffith is running for that. Um, and then a former councilwoman, Alicia Cargilla, um, and then a teacher and attorney, Mary Brown Boren, are all running um, in that race. And it seems to be a pretty close race right now. Um, you know, it, Just driving around Norman, it's in my district. And um, so it seems like everybody's working hard. Um, I've gotten mail pieces from, um, from the first two that I talked about. So um, I think it's gonna be a close race. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a runoff or not, but it's it's definitely one to watch um, because you've got somebody who's who's already elected um, yeah. in the legislature and then also a council um, member, and then Mary's got the the teacher angle um, and has been involved in in education politics for a, for a very long time. Um, and then another one um, that I think is going to be interesting to watch is Senate District 40, mm -hmm. um, and that is um, a Democratic primary, and the the winner will uh, face uh, Senator Irvin Yen, um, and that is that's a seat that a lot of people watching politics think that could go um, to a Democrat this time. Kind of Northwest Oklahoma City, where we've seen some right, changes. right. So um, has part of you know Representative Cindy Munson's district, which mm -hmm. um, flipped from Republican to Democrat fairly recently. Recently, um, and just looking at the numbers and the presidential election, it looks like one that Democrats could win. So there you've got um, Carrie Hicks, mm -hmm. who is um, a teacher, um, has three kids, one of them with type 1 diabetes, and so she's talking a lot about education issues and about being a mom and um, challenges in healthcare and type 1 diabetes. Um, the cost of insulin um, is something that she's been talking about a lot. Um, and then you've got Danielle Izell, uh, who was um, formerly the head of the Oklahoma Women's Coalition um, and has been involved in, in politics and nonprofit organizations focusing on women's issues for a really long time. So they're both fantastic candidates, and um, I know that, that some people are, are um, a little sad that they're running against each other um, because they're both really great and, and they wish that they would could be spread around but they're both in the same district. Um, so I think either way, whoever wins that race, um, and I think it'll be a close one also, um, whoever wins that is going to be a great candidate in November. 
Let's, I want to talk about those specific races, but let's just this, you know, you, you talk about in general the increase in, in female candidates this year. Mm-hmm. That's something we've seen across the country, including here in Oklahoma and some other races, including at the federal level. Um, but some of, but these are not some of these are not necessarily new names. I mean, you have right. some, some current elected officials, people who've been running for office. So it's not like this whole list is just you know candidates that just decided one day to, to, right. to run. But why why do you think we've seen that here in Oklahoma? I mean, do you think yeah. this is tapping into the to the national mood that we've seen, or is there something yeah. you know, happening in Oklahoma too that's kind of you know caused this? Yeah, I think I think both of those things are true. Um, I think that especially in Norman, we've seen um, a, a huge increase in female candidates at the local level. So mm-hmm. we now have a majority female city council in Norman, um, which is something that we've never had before. Um, and I don't know if that's ever happened in Oklahoma before. And so we had a lot of female candidates running at that level, and now you see them um, stepping up to, to, to the state level. Um, so you've got that going on, but you've also got um, the, the education movement, the teacher walkout played yeah. into a lot of this. Um, you know, education is a field dominated by females, and yeah. so you've got a lot of, of teachers who are women who are thinking about running or getting involved. Um, you know, in, in Senate District 40, Danielle is somebody who's been involved for a long time. Carrie is somebody who's been involved for a long time. Her husband um, worked for Governor Brad Henry um, when he was in the governor's office. And so um, both of those names have been around for a while. Um, but I think that as as the nation moves towards more female representation, Oklahoma is also. Unfortunately, we're still at the bottom um, in terms of female representation in the legislature. But it seems like that has become something that people are talking about and that yeah. women are saying we need to fix that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about these specific races that you mentioned, and I and I, and I want to kind of talk about it through the guy. I and mean, obviously, there's Democratic primaries that you you brought up, and I'm curious, what does it look like to run in in one of these districts versus the other? And you know, something that we've talked about on the show before is this idea that it seems like the Democratic Party, uh, the Democratic Caucus in Oklahoma, is is becoming more and more progressive. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people say, hey, you know, Democrats in Oklahoma, they've got to be a little bit more close to center. They've got to be right. more uh, conservative than you see in some other states. And yeah. maybe that's true if you're running, you know, for governor. Right. Um, but it seems like the, the the play right now in the House and the Senate is, we're not talking about a balance of power being up for grabs. I mean, Democrats aren't taking the House right. or the Senate anytime soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> representative. But, um, but so it seems like maybe there's a, a freedom a little bit there, right? Yeah. To, to really, yeah. you know, as Democrats have, have done well in the mm-hmm. urban areas. Uh, right. So how is, that, how is that going to look? I mean, you're talking about Oklahoma City and Norman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's the strategy for Democrats? What's the message for them as they're trying to make inroads in those two districts? Yeah, so uh, the message in the two districts is largely the same because education is the main issue in both districts. It's always been that way in Senate District 16. Senate District 16 in Norman has traditionally been a Democratic seat. Mm-hmm. Um, former uh, pro tem Cal and um, that was his seat. Um, and then John Sparks replaced him, a Democrat, for 12 years. Um, and so that's one that has traditionally been a Democratic seat. And so the message there is a little bit more progressive than you have in Senate District 40, um, which has traditionally been a, a Republican seat, yeah. but a, an urban Republican seat, which is where we're seeing a lot of the flips from Republican to Democrat right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the messages are largely the same there. And you're seeing across the state, it's happening in Tulsa too, um, a lesser extent in Tulsa than in Oklahoma City, but that Democrats are having more success in the urban areas now. Um, You know, last cycle we lost um, 
we lost some some rural seats where we had members terming out, but we picked up seats in the urban areas in Oklahoma City, Colin Walkie, for example, Cindy Munson, um, and so and Mickey Dollins. They all flipped uh, Republican seats, and so at, that's something that you saw nationwide happening. It just has it has happened a little slower in Oklahoma, um, but you're seeing that that Democrats are having better luck in the urban areas than in the rural areas, um, and that's not necessarily surprising. Mm -hmm. um, you're seeing the urban areas get younger and the rural areas get older um, and so but but in both districts um, you know I think the message is about the same uh, again focusing on education focusing on revenue um, that's that's a huge conversation that's taking place right now and of course you know how would a candidate have voted on the teacher pay uh, package and the an increase in gross production tax um, and you're hearing a lot of Republicans say yes I would have voted I would have voted for that, mm -hmm. um, and I would have supported that, and I support increasing the gross production tax and things like that. So the message has has shifted incredibly from just two years ago. Yeah, yeah, those are definitely going to be really fascinating races to watch uh, for the Democrats. Um, I, I want to talk about some other races that are in, in the urban area, but I think we're going to zigzag a little bit here. Uh, Dale, I'm curious, what, what race are you, are you kind of keeping an eye on? Right, uh, I uh, I found a, a couple. Uh, the first is the uh, the, the race uh, uh, Kevin McDougal as mm -hmm. U.S. state representative. Um, he he made several people mad at the uh, toward the end of last session uh, about the time people started filing for office. Uh, he posted a video uh, criticizing teachers um, for continuing the the walkout, and uh, he said the the kind of behavior that that they were displaying at the Capitol. Um, he uh, he voted for the uh, the tax increase and uh, and and supported them and he said but I'm not going to vote for another stinking bill or something like that um, and it really it rubbed people a long way uh, the, the wrong a lot of people the wrong way um, uh, one of the people who filed uh, actually a Democrat as a teacher uh, who was who was at the the teacher walk out of the Capitol and just I, I guess decided at the spur of the moment to file but he also does have a Republican challenger uh, and it'll be interesting to see if if he, like uh, like many other Republicans, are really trying to fight for their seat uh, as they face a challenge uh, from uh, from the right, um, the uh, the other race that I'm interested in is the labor commissioner race, um, especially the Republican side between uh, Leslie Osborne, yeah. uh, state representative, Kathy Costello, the wife of the late labor commissioner Mark Costello, and Keith Swinton. Um, and uh, as, as far as I can tell, it's it's really a battle between Costello and Osborne. Um, you know, Osborne really made waves in the last couple of years with her leadership um, in the Appropriations and Budget Committee, um, and trying to, I guess, sort of right the ship and talk about fiscal uh, responsibility, but also we've got to pay the bills. Uh -huh. um, and she was a major Republican proponent for revenue uh, before a lot of others were. Um, Kathy Costello is bringing uh, her experience um, uh, since her husband's death uh, uh, being sort of a player on the state and national stage for mental health reforms and she's focusing on especially in the workplace uh, what she could do as labor commissioner to improve uh, to improve that so um, really the, the entire field you could look at races from all across the state and pick one that I think is interesting uh, or one to watch. Yeah. Um, but these two are mine. Yeah, definitely. You know, the Labor Commission one, um, so last night, uh, Nondoc hosted a, a, a forum or debate between the Republican candidates uh, at the Tower Theater. Um, my biggest takeaway was just how uh, passionate uh, Costello and Osborne's 
uh, supporters were. It, there was a, a, a pretty cordial debate happening on stage, and then a pretty raucous <laughs> debate between their, their crowd, which you don't normally, I mean, you don't, labor commissioner is not necessarily the most sexy race uh, in the state, but there, there seems to be a lot, of, a lot of passion behind that. There was also an open bar, maybe that helped, or a cash bar, maybe that had something to do with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are kind of, um, you know, as you talk about between Costello and Osborne, I mean, two kind of more prominent, polit- you know, politicians quickly prominent. I mean, Osborne yes. kind of made a name for herself as maybe being a more uh, moderate Republican, uh, even at odds with the Speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last year and, and many times I've heard her speak. She kind of tries to play herself off as, you know, I'm a Republican, but I, you know, state over party is kind of her message. And you're right with Costello. I mean, really kind of championing uh, mental health. Um, you know, and what that looks like in the work and the workforce, and mental health has become a more dominant issue. You know, going back to Kevin McDougal, and what, and what district is that that he's in? It's um, twelve. Twelve, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think you know, if you're lucky, you know, during your your time as a House member, you maybe only get one statewide story to your name. I say lucky, <laughs> right. probably don't want any. Um, but for a lot of people, that's probably what they know about him, right? You know, well, and, and, it was it's a national story too. Yeah, you know, it was, CNN yeah. picked it up, and uh, it, it was one of the more. Um, I think everybody was kind of waiting for that moment when when someone would uh, lose their cool and post something online. Uh, he posted a video from the House floor. Um, he was, you know, he was visibly, uh, you know, angry uh, about something, and he, he, you know, I think his mouth got the better of him, quite frankly. Um, and he later apologized, and he deleted the video. He's like, you know, just uh, don't take it, don't take it the wrong way. You know, he said, I still support teachers, and I'm still going to support teachers. Um, but you know, I, I think a lot of people were really upset that he criticized the way that quote teachers were acting when the teachers. Um, uh, you know, we're saying that they were there for education funding. Yeah, kind of a bold move to be to, to stream a live video from the <laughs> yeah. house floor, right? During the walkout. During, yeah, during yeah. that. I know that's just an interesting tactic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, but you know what? I'm sure there's some that maybe uh, are going to support him for it. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's some yeah. that probably see that. I mean, he wouldn't have said it if he didn't feel like it was, you know, at least tapping into somewhat of what his constituency thinks. Right. And there, there are a lot of people I've seen who, uh, who say similar things. We're like, you know, I can't believe these teachers and, um, you know, they, they got their, their pay raise. Why didn't they just go back to the classroom? Um, and, you know, there are there people who are, to, uh, who are there to remind them, uh, you know, the, the continued walkout wasn't necessarily about a, a more... Uh, more of a pay raise, but more about more education funding, mm-hmm. and you know, so it's he he certainly tapped into probably the minds of a lot of his constituency. I don't know whether it's going to be enough to keep him in office. Yeah, but definitely give some passion to your opponents too yep. uh, on the other side as yeah. well. And it's it's certainly going to be on uh, some uh, some push cards. Yeah, yeah you imagine. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. low hanging fruit right there if you're mm-hmm. running, if you're running against him. Um, Justin, I know you've got you you've got a, a federal race, but I've, mine were in at the state level, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead real quick and stay in the state, and then we'll we'll go to your federal ones. Sure, that, that and I'm, I'm watching Sand District Forty. Oh well, yeah, well. please, I yeah, mean, you got yeah. Tell me about your. Uh, yeah. I live there, and I okay. think uh, is that your district as well? I know we're pretty uh, close. Not no, it's a little not, off. Okay, a little so. off. Yeah, a block no, away. Quite a bit of door to door activity there. Mm-hmm. Mailers. That's an interesting one, and that's yeah. going to be close. As a registered independent, I don't vote in primaries, but that that one is going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Can so you vote could. In I guess I, I don't vote in primaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so that's interesting. Have you had both candidates knock your door? I believe I have. Yes, yeah. I've not been home when they did, but I believe yeah. I believe they have. Yeah. yeah. It is looks any, like both of them are out um, pretty much every day. It seems like it. Yeah. 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 Is there any concern in a Republican district like that that the Democrats are kind of? 
Would you rather just have one Democrat and then they don't have to focus on a primary? You don't have to spend money on a primary? Yeah, so that there are there are a couple of schools of thought on that. Right. Um, you know, one is that, uh, well, I'll say selfishly as a candidate, you don't want a primary. Um, it's just, it's more work, more money. Um, you, especially in a competitive primary, I had a very competitive primary in 2010, you essentially deplete all your resources and then have to start completely over. But in looking at it from a, you know, from a political uh, observer, consultant side, um, you, you don't necessarily hate the fact that your candidate is getting out there and getting some name recognition. Um, I think it's always good to be on the ballot before the general election. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why the Democrats wanted to open up um, primaries to independents was because, you know, giving independents an opportunity to vote for a Democrat and see their name before the general election um, it seems like a smart move to, to get the name recognition. So, um, you know, it's, like I said, as candidate, you don't really want it to happen, but I think it's actually good um, for, for the party, for, um, for candidates themselves and their campaigns to have a primary. Yeah. yeah, well, and they both have been running for quite a while. I yes, mean, so we'll, absolutely. Yeah. And I think when you're, you know, if you're, you're also thinking about it, if you are the more established candidate who, or the candidate who's been running the longest, and and then someone just pops up and it's kind of a, a right. kind of a pest, but you have to deal with. But both of these candidates have been mm -hmm. running for a while, so whoever kind of emerges from here is going to have been on the, uh, you know, uh, on the streets for yes. for almost a year, if not more, absolutely. more than a year. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting race because as we talked about, it's that Northwest Oklahoma City quadrant. You talked about uh, Representative Munson, who was able to flip that seat, uh, Walkie, mm -hmm. so those are both House races, so we haven't yes. seen the Senate yet on the Northwest side. Um, but that seems to be kind of maybe a transitioning district. One that was, one that I was, I'm taking a look at is Senate District 30, mm -hmm. which is vacant right now, uh, Mayor David Holt, oh, uh, yes. newly elected mayor of Oklahoma City, vacated that seat. It's interesting for a couple of reasons. I'm, I'm watching the Republican primary. There is a Democratic primary, Julie Kurt and then Larry Dean Buss, who hasn't raised Julie, any, or, yeah, or Julia hasn't raised has any money. Been, so Julia's, I yeah, think, the She's the been odds running on, for yeah. a long time, and yeah. And, and Julia really reminds me a, a, a little bit of the Munson playbook in a way, mm -hmm. where this is not a... Um, this is not a you know wave the, the the liberal banner everywhere you go. This is kind of more of a you know common sense moderate right. you know not running away from from the the D next to your name. Um, she comes from the nonprofit world yes. and she has been campaigning for nearly a year, if mm -hmm. not more. Um, in the Republican field, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight candidates or seven candidates running in the Republican field. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see, you know. You don't want six challengers, right? You don't want to <laughs> No, <laughs> yeah. no. Kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely it seems like there could be a runoff there. Yeah. Um and, and for the most part you have I mean, you have uh Lori Callahan who's a is a mother and a substitute teacher. Um Eric Harris, who is black and an attorney, the rest is a, you know white men who are attorneys. So it'll be interesting to see kind of who emerges from that Republican primary, which I'm going to be watching, and then goes up against, you know, Julia Kurt, who um, I mean, it's a Republican seat, but it's you know Holt was always kind of a moderate, mm -hmm. you know, a, a, in the Senate. So I mean, he, and now we don't have a lot of great data to go on because he he won the general election on uncontested the last right. two times. Right. But it's one of those that looking at recent presidential elections, um, 
just looking at all the recent statewide elections, the numbers just show you that that's one that's in play for Democrats. So, um, you know, Julia was somebody that I think um, was was recruited to run because she comes from a different background than Mm -hmm. you see in a lot of a lot of political candidates. She came from the arts community, that nonprofit world. And so it's been really interesting to watch her transition. Um, She's working really hard and she's been able to tap into sort of a a completely new donor base. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't usually give politically, but they give to nonprofits. They love Julia and what she's done. Um, And so they've been giving to her. Yeah. Well, this district is like shaped like a C. Mm-hmm. So, you have, so it's a little bit challenging. You got to be really targeted about where you're going. It's, um, you know, you look at parts of it and you say, I didn't see what they did there. I mean, right. so it makes sense in right. some ways. Uh, yeah. But it picks up some of those kind of more transitioning Northwest Oklahoma City neighborhoods. It also picks up uh, uh, the Quail Creek area a little bit. Mm-hmm. Lake Hefner. So if you live on a houseboat, this is the one that you're going to be <laughs> you're going to be voting in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, and I'm really curious. Uh, if Holt weighs in at all in this race. I doubt that he does. I doubt, I doubt that he does. Yeah, but I definitely yeah. plan to ask him. So once those two can. Just because I, I mean, he's been, uh, he's been real friendly to Julia. Uh, you know, she's kind of really wisely kind of, I don't know a better way to put this. She's really, she's not used his name, but she's, you know, she's praised him for some of his, I don't know, she's kind of done a really good job of kind of, you know, to worry, it, to put herself in a position where the average person who says, I like Holt, I guess I like her too, kind of, even though she may be from a different yeah. party. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's one I'm watching. And then a little bit further north uh, is uh, House District 82, Kevin Calvey's seat, um, who's not running because of term limits. There's 12 Republicans mm-hmm. in that. And what's really interesting, uh, Chris Castile wrote a story this week. You know, Some of them are running against the teacher tax or the tax hikes to fund the teacher pay raise. Others are, are running in favor of it. Calvi voted against it, one of the few Republicans to vote against it. I mean, I'm, you know, whoever, it's going to be, it's probably going to be a runoff, but it'll be interesting to see, are voters going to go with you know, the anti-tax candidate, or are they saying, you know, are Republican voters going to say, no, we still we still back this? As, assuming they're all uh, equally funded or uh, they're yeah. on either side, they're equally funded candidates and uh, candidates who work hard enough, you know, this could be a bellwether for the rest of the state. Um, I, I don't know how uh, closely that District 82 aligns with uh, the rest of Oklahoma. It's fairly conservative, mm-hmm. as I, they elected Kevin Calvey for 12 years. Um, but... Uh, if it could come down to what kind of Republican, uh, or what do Republicans think about the uh, the tax increase, and and moving forward based on what these candidates say? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think I would believe that I think a majority of Oklahomans were in favor of the tax increase. I mean, the majority of, of members voted for it. Probably felt like their constituents were behind it. I do think that there's a larger group that's against it than maybe people thought or right. assume. I mean, and I mean, we've talked about before the most yeah. of the gubernatorial candidates right. on the Republican side are running against it. I mean, yeah. it's a... But you've yeah. seen a couple of them sort of flip-flop yeah, on yeah. it. Um, and so what that tells me is that the polling really isn't clear mm-hmm. on um, on Republican primary voters, at least. Um, I haven't seen any Democrats who say that they didn't, that they don't support it. But at least for Republican primary voters, the gubernatorial candidates seem to be having a little bit of trouble gauging um, whether people in their primary support it or don't because you've got 
you know, somebody like Stitt who says he doesn't support it or he wouldn't have signed it, but he's not going to vote to repeal it. Uh Um, And so I think you see a lot of that kind of playing both sides. Um, So it'll be interesting. And that having the veto referendum going on right now is a huge factor in these races because you can't just say, well, what's done is done. Um, We're going to move on from that. Um, You have to essentially take a position on it because it may be on the ballot. Yeah, and it, it'll be interesting. You talk about what may be on the ballot, and they're what they're eyeing that for November, right? So, I mean, we've talked sometimes about what the medical marijuana state question on the same day as the primaries may mean. Is mm-hmm. that going to you know drive out some more conservative voters? I wonder if the if the repeal in November could drive out more public ed supporters because yeah. um, there has well, been a pretty uh, passionate campaign yeah. against it too, yeah, right? Absolutely. To where I don't know. I mean, just I, those things have an impact down yeah. down ballot. Well, there there's a small chance that if they get the signatures, that that the governor could put it on the uh, primary runoff ballot. True. Um, and I know that 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 um, is not something that the people who are hoping to um, keep the taxes are are wanting. I know they want it to be on the general election ballot because when you look at a primary runoff, most of those are going to be Republican races. Mm -hmm. And so that turnout would be a little skewed um, as opposed to a general election. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to see. Um, So that's a state. We also have some federal races going on. For the most part, maybe, I mean, there are some interesting primaries. We've talked about how come November there may not be a lot of drama. But one race we've talked a lot about, Justin, is CD5, the congressional district here in Oklahoma City. Uh, so you're watching, obviously, what the Democratic primary on that one uh, with, right. with some interest. Yeah. Uh, Russell shouldn't have any problem in his primary. He does have two candidates, or two opponents, rather, but he should uh, cruise and shouldn't need a runoff. The Democrats almost certainly will. I mean, six candidates, um, you know, we've talked about this race quite a bit, but the, it's an interesting one to watch. I mean, the two candidates who got in first, Kendra Horn and uh, Tom Guild, would probably make the runoff, I think, if the election is today. But we have no polling, uh, <laughs> so we're not really sure. So it's it, it'll be an interesting one to watch. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I would think those two leading the fundraising, leading just how long they've been running, would seem to be the, the primary you know f- runoff candidates. But even then, there's a lot to watch. I mean, who among just between the two of them who gets more votes? Um, what is the Democratic um, turnout and this sort of thing? This will be something to watch in a lot of districts. I mean. If Democrats are going to flip a district like this, CD5, they're going to need their numbers to come out way more than they typically have, or at least some increase there. Mm-hmm. And if if they, we'll see if that momentum you know comes out on, on June 26. Yeah, and you've talked about before. I mean, you've talked to other like national observers who've looked at CD5 and said, you know, this is a Democratic district. It's just, I mean, in terms of the makeup and the demographics and stuff like that, it just hasn't been. Um, I mean, is you know, we got to figure out who the Democratic candidate is going to be first. But do you, I mean? From what do most observers believe? Who who needs to emerge for the to have the best chance? Do you feel like to flip this seat? I mean, are there people that you know from the outside that aren't attached to one of these candidates who are, are picking one or the other? I would say, I mean, it really depends on what philosophy of thought you have. I think the traditional thought in Oklahoma is that a moderate Democrat does better in a Republican district. If that's true, then it's more it's Kendra Horn. Um, you know, I mean, liberals like Tom Guild argue that they're the ones that really turn out. Democrats and they're the, one, the ones that really excite people, and so that they're better off running against Russell, and that they provide a, a starker dichotomy there um, between themselves and Russell. So it would depend who you ask. I mean, my argument would probably be that uh, Kendra Horn fares a little better head to head against Russell um, for a number of reasons, 
but um, you know, it would really depend who you ask. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not your district, uh, but your thoughts on on the CV five? Yeah, one? so I think um, I think that Kendra could potentially get out without a runoff. Um, she has been, um, I think, clearly working the hardest and and just really blowing everyone else out of the water in terms of fundraising. She's even outraised Steve Russell in a couple of the reports. Um, and so I think um, I think she's the clear front runner. Um, but with with so many other candidates, it could be a runoff. But I think I think she. Um, I think she'll win, and um, I think she definitely has a better chance um, against Steve Russell, uh, just because of um, because of, of her experience in politics, but also um, because she um, you know she does seem to be running um, I would say a more professional campaign, um, whereas you know Tom Guild is more of a grassroots um, progressive uh, who is really not. Um, not catering or, or tailoring his message to the district necessarily, um, and so I think I think Kendra is going to win it. Um, that's you know, like you've said, that's the one that that outside observers think would flip first in Oklahoma. Um, it's going to be interesting though. We've only got um, twenty eighteen and twenty twenty left in the current mm-hmm. uh, maps. And so it'll be interesting to watch. I know this is a few years down the road, but yeah. it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with CD5 if um, the Republicans try to draw it to make it a little safer. If they still have, um, if they still have a supermajority um, in the legislature at that time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that'll, that'll come. It's not too early to talk about. No, it's that. not. We no, have talked I know, about I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we're always willing to talk about redistricting. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so I've got a question. If we can go back to the uh, the. the the races that have a lot of um, candidates in them, like the the twelve candidates uh, up uh, northwest Oklahoma City, does a candidate coming out of that um, have? It, do they bear any scars, so to speak, going in, <laughs> into into the uh, into the general election? Is it harder for them to to win uh, if they've just had to uh, spend a lot of money on a primary election between? several people yeah I mean it's it I would say it depends on the race I know typical politician attorney answer it depends but um, I think that that if if opponents go negative against um, somebody who eventually comes out of a primary or comes out of a runoff then yeah they've got some some things to deal with in the general election because um, whether those whether those primary voters believed what what the other opponents were saying or not, um, that's going to stick with them to the to the general. Um, you know, sometimes you see those uh, primary opponents coming out and endorsing the the eventual party nominee, um, and that makes a big difference. But sometimes you see them endorsing the other party or not endorsing at all, um, and so it's. You see it happen a lot of different ways, but this House District 82 race, I mean, it's very, very rare to see that many candidates in a primary. Right. Um, and so that will be a really, really interesting one to watch. I, I could definitely see um, uh, you know, the, this lower ticket race having a lot more undervotes than, yeah. than, yeah. than usual. Uh, so if you're a Republican and your candidate didn't win, um, or you... Um, you were just tired of all the the primary electioneering mm-hmm. that that you just didn't want to vote for anybody um, in the uh, in the general. I could I could certainly understand that. Yeah, uh, you know, I that district is one that a Republican will almost certainly win, um, and so 
there may be, you know, there, there probably will be some undervotes, um, but it seems to me that in that race, there aren't a whole lot of candidates who are just getting out there every day and knocking doors. Um, with a field that large, it's almost impossible for everyone to be to be doing that. Um, very unlikely for everyone to be doing that. I get tired of people knocking on my door. <laughs> yeah, those those voters are going to have some major fatigue um, by the time I, June 26, but definitely the primary or definitely the runoff in August, they're going to be tired of it. So, yeah, maybe they'll just not vote. Yeah, you know, I think, and not to, I mean, there's always cases against this, not to, not to stereotype it, but as we started this conversation, talk, you, you brought up the idea of, you know, an influx of, of female candidates, and it always seems, I'm just trying to pander here, but, I mean, it always seems like and sometimes you, female candidates kind of, you know, work the doors a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this before, and, you know, there's been articles and studies that have said, you know, women tend to be, you know, think a lot more about whether or not they should run or not. They need some mm-hmm. convincing while men mm-hmm. are just, you know, they sometimes yeah. jump in. And so I think the advantage that sometimes, you know, and I think about someone like Munson, and there's other examples, right. that, you know, if I'm going to do it, I need to do it, you right. know, well. I need right. to do it right. And, you know, when I, especially the race, um, you know, that you mentioned in Yen's seat, the, 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 you know, with the, the two women that are running for the Democratic primary, I mean, they both kind of strike me as, as that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I look, you know, and Julia Kurt as well mm-hmm. in Senate District 30, and yeah. I'm not saying that the guys on the other, uh, right. the Republican side aren't working hard, some of them right. are working really hard, Yeah. but sometimes there's this idea that like, I'm kind of well known in the community, right. you know, people like More me, connections, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm just gonna run. Yeah. And it yeah. really does, especially in some of these races, it really does take, you know, the knocking the doors. I know Dale that's, hates it, but I mean, that's well, the, it's, <laughs> but it, I mean, there's a reason that we keep doing it, right? Because it's the most effective way to win a legislative race like that. Um, and when I was running in 2010 in the Democratic primary, it was, um, I had I had three opponents who were all males, um, and I got out without a runoff because I knocked way more doors than anybody else. Um, people got tired of people like Dale, got tired of me, and were like, if you don't come back, I'll vote for you, okay? Yeah. Um, and and so, uh, you know, it may be annoying, but it still works. Yeah. Um, but there is more of that. Um, I've got to get out and, and talk to people. Number one, women are more uh, more willing or um, able or, you know, whatever it is to communicate um, and make sure that they're having those face-to-face conversations. But also there's this, um, you know, sort of chip on your shoulder or um, not having as much confidence as, you know, a man who um, is is more well-connected. Um, and so that definitely plays a part. You've seen it in so many races lately um, that the female won just because she worked so much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. Women don't just run. Um, they don't just say, oh, I think I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time it's a much more deliberative process, and so there's a lot more preparation that goes along um, with it, and there's a lot more um, thought that goes into, do I have time to knock doors? Am I, am I going to be able to do that? Um, and so for a lot of different reasons, when you see a female candidate, it's, it's likely that they're going to pound the pavement. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't think you, can, you should discount the... Um I'm not saying you are, but you have to remember that in Oklahoma, we haven't had that many uh, strong female politicians. Right. Um, just uh, eight years ago, Mary Fallon um, uh, won the governor's seat. And she ran against Jerry Askins, also a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, uh, the, the last several uh, superintendents of education were women. Um, we have this this fight in uh, over the labor commissioner post, mm-hmm. uh, which could end up uh, being a woman in that in that position. Um, 
it's 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 taken a long time, but I think uh, Oklahoma, uh, we're starting to see these strong female political leaders, Absolutely. and it gives people. Uh, I don't know who your political mentor was, if it was a woman or not, but uh, it, it's. I think I think giving uh, a lot of women the courage to run, mm-hmm. um, and and the willingness to really put their foot out there and say, oh, I can do this. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting, um, and uh, you know in primaries before and in in general elections before when you had a woman and a bunch of men um, the woman seemed to stand out just because she was a woman and all the rest were men that's kind of um, what happened with me also but um, it's going to be really interesting to see this year when you have a lot of women going head to head what happens because other than you know Governor Fallon and, and Lieutenant Governor Askins we haven't seen that a whole lot um, before and so it's it's a relatively new experience I think for a lot of Oklahomans. Well, it takes those other races. I mean, you got to build up to it, right? Because you know, you, you're right. We go back eight years. We had a, a race for governor between two women, and now we have just one, in a, you know, out of mm-hmm. you know a, a dozen running for the office. So you, right. you've got to win those lower level races right. to build up and, and kind of make that name recognition. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. And you talk about hitting the pavement. There's gonna be people who go to the ballot box on June 26 who are like, I know who I'm voting for governor. I know what I want to do on medical marijuana, and then. Who the hell are these seven names? Right. So so they may be just like, well, that's the person that visited me. Right. When you you see someone on your doorstep, you're, oh, well, I saw their face. They came and asked me for my vote. So they're getting it. It could be be important. So uh, we'll definitely be interesting to watch. We've got a couple more episodes before the primaries. We'll continue to talk about that. Representative, thanks so much for coming to the studio. We really appreciate it. Always good to see you. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. Continue to stick with the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com for more election coverage. We're just less 19 days away from the primary election on June 26. For the Oklahoma, I'm Ben Felder. We'll see you again next week.